Good morning to each and every one of you. I'm so glad that you're here with us today at Maple Park Church. Uh, for those of you gathered in the sanctuary, those of you gathered with us on Facebook Live or Dial in Church, uh, thank you for gathering with us today. It is a blessing to have you here. We are gathered together to hear the word of the Lord and to be encouraged in the Lord. And we do need encouragement during these times. In the past months, I've woken up, gotten out of bed, and I've been disappointed. I've asked, are we really still in the middle of a pandemic? When is it going to end? Why hasn't this cleared up yet? Why do we still need to live this way, do ministry this way? I want to be with the people of God. I want to see the smiles uh, of God's people. I want to be able to shake hands and and hug people during this time. I don't want uh, the obstacles of, of masks and distancing always on my mind. Don't get me wrong, there have been plenty of uh, bright points of joy and light during these days. Camping with my family, hiking, some family gatherings. There is so much to be thankful for. But certainly, the disappointment of a whole summer disrupted will get people down. People are down, and they're disappointed. Think of the weddings, graduations, camps, vacation Bible school, vacations, reunions, and even funerals that have been disrupted. So for many people, this has turned out to be a disappointing time. Let me remind you of this, when life is disappointing, when life is disappointing, you're standing on the rock. On Jesus, you stand. And John, in his gospel, in chapter 11, wrote about a family that, that experienced deep disappointment. Now, their disappointment was not only in their difficult circumstances, their disappointment was also in Jesus. They were disappointed with Jesus. In John 11, we read the account of a family, a family that experienced the pain of, of a sickness, of a sickness that Jesus didn't heal. Jesus didn't heal Lazarus in John chapter 11. But in the disappointment of the death of Lazarus, the family learned that Jesus is a rock. And so today we'll go through John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. Now I know that in your bulletin it's uh, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. That only brings us to the bad news. We want to hear the good news of John chapter 11 also. So I invite you to please follow along in your Bible or on the screen. So we go to John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill. Who was that man? Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So here we have a family, Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying this, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Lord, he whom you love is ill. We'll stop there. 
Those words, that, that word that was sent to Jesus, those words are a prayer to Jesus. And I want you to know that prayer is that simple. Prayer is that simple. What is prayer? Well, prayer is bringing your, your need to Jesus and believing that Jesus is more than able to employ his power in your difficulty. That's prayer. Trusting in the Lord, believing that he is able to employ his power in your difficulty. But I ask this question, how many times have you prayed in desperation... You prayed to the Lord believing in faith, and it seemed as if nothing happened. Have you had that experience in your life? It seemed as if God didn't come through for you in your time of need. So who of you listening to me today have experienced disappointment with God? You pray, and you pray. And it seemed as if God did nothing. You weren't healed. Your loved one wasn't healed. You, you didn't get a miracle from God. Prayer is expressing your need to the Lord and believing that he is more than able to employ his power in the alleviation of your problem. This is true. But we'll discover from the account of John 11 that God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we want them to be answered. And his plans and his purposes are not necessarily our plans or purposes. God has plans. And his plan really centers on Jesus... And really the goal in our prayer shouldn't be that, that we would get everything that we ask for, but ultimately that, that our lives would be, bring glory to, to Jesus Christ. In the good times and in the bad times, even if that means difficulty and pain and suffering and grief, that the goal would be that Christ would be glorified in our lives regardless of what happens to us and regardless of the circumstances. So for Christ to be glorified. That might mean a miracle that heals your body. That may bring glory to Christ or it might mean an illness or a situation that is not healed or resolved. Sometimes it's in the difficulty when we depend on the power of Christ's grace, when his grace is what makes us strong, that Christ receives more glory and honor than an actual physical healing. And you have seen believers who face difficulty and pain and hardship in their life, and they remain faithful to the Lord and their faithfulness to the Lord is a testimony which gives glory to God in the midst of, of their difficulty. So Mary and Martha, they prayed. They prayed, believing, Lord, he whom you love is ill, but verse 4, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. It is for the glory of God. Did you get that? So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Did you get that, verse 6? He heard that Lazarus was ill. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. They what? Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. This doesn't make sense. If Jesus loved them, why didn't he drop everything and go immediately to Bethany and perform a miracle? If he, if he loved them, he would, have, he would have gone immediately. What's Jesus up to? Well, Jesus is up to something that's better than, than physical healing. Jesus is going to demonstrate that he is Lord over death itself. Jesus is going to glorify himself and, and the disciples are going to believe in him. How disappointing to ask Jesus in a desperate situation and then to have him delay rather than come through immediately. When God delays, when God delays, even when he doesn't come through in the way that you expected, trust that he's up to something. And that something else is that through your life, that through your life, Jesus would be glorified. That's the goal. The Christ would receive the glory. It's, it's really not about me. It's about him and him being glorified through whatever he chooses for my life or for your life. Verse 7, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciple said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you're going there again? After two days of delay, Jesus knew it was time. It was time to go to where Lazarus was in Judea at Bethany. But there was danger in Judea. The Jews were seeking to kill Jesus. And the disciples, they weren't happy about running into a into a dangerous place. Who wants to go to a place where people are trying to kill you? But Jesus is never deterred by danger. Remember who Jesus is. He is God Almighty. Jesus runs straight into danger. So he goes to the place of those who desired to take his life. Jesus isn't deterred. Jesus isn't fearful. Jesus already said in John 10 that no one can take his life, but that he lays his life down of his own accord. For he has authority to lay it down and to take it up again. He doesn't fear the Jews. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. In other words, the disciples, they, they didn't need to fear the murderous men in Judea. Because they were walking with Jesus. They were walking in the light. 
And as long as they walked in the light, there was no need for them to fear. There's no need for you to fear. Jesus is with you. You're walking in the light with him. Don't even fear death. There's no need to fear death. During this time, I say it again. There is no need to fear death. Verse 11. After saying these things, Jesus said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Makes sense, right? A person who's sick needs to get rest. And, and that's what I do. When I get sick, man, I just go and I lay down. And I sleep. And I try to sleep until I'm not sick anymore. This makes sense. A person who's ill needs to rest. But verse 13. Now Jesus had spoken of his death. But they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Lazarus has died. Amazing. As true God in human flesh, for Jesus to raise the dead is a task as easy as waking a person from a nap. That's your God. For Jesus to raise the dead is a task as easy as waking somebody from a nap. And then Jesus says in verse 15, and for your sake... Listen to this weird, I am glad that I was not there, so why? So that you may believe. That's the goal. That the disciples would believe and that we would believe. But let us go to him. So now we're beginning to understand what Jesus is up to. Why the delay? Why allow the devastation and disappointment of death to come? The will of God is, is not that Lazarus would be cured of his illness, but, but that Lazarus would be raised from the dead. And the ultimate purpose is that the disciples would believe that Jesus is the Savior who has power over life and death. And that's when God is, is glorified. That is when God is glorified, when people come to believe. Church, why do we do evangelism? Why do we send missionaries to Asia and to Africa? Why do we seek to reach people in our community? It is so that God is glorified. Because when more people come to believe, more people give him praise and glory for his work of salvation in their life. The church is about bringing glory to the Lord and more when more come to the Lord, more bring glory to him. So he says, For your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, here comes Thomas. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. What is Thomas's attitude? 
Well, we really don't know what Thomas's attitude is. Is Thomas uh, declaring his faith and his confidence in Jesus? Or is Thomas being snarky? Scholars don't know. I'll let you decide. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is significant also. It's a long time. They also believed at that time that was at the point when the, when the soul had left the body. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Now listen to this. Martha said to Jesus, and here's the disappointment, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You hear the disappointment in her words? Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But she still has faith in Jesus. Listen. But even now, she said, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this church? Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe that he is your resurrection and your life? Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the anointed one, the one chosen by God, the son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, here it is again, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hear the disappointment in her words? Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus is moved by grief. He's moved by grief, but he also may have been troubled by the fact that they were grieving as those who grieve with no hope. We grieve, church. The Christian grieves. We grieve deeply. 
but we grieve on the rock. We grieve with faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that he is the resurrection and the life. So yes, this life is filled with grief. But do not grieve as those who have no hope. Grieve on the rock. Verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus feels the anguish and the sorrow of of humanity. He is not a God that is removed from the suffering and the difficulty of life. He weeps with you. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? Then we have the scoffers, verse 37. But some of them said, could not he who opened opened the eyes of a blind man also have kept this man from dying? Once again, disappointment. Why didn't you heal Lazarus? Why didn't you let the one you love die? Why did you let the one you love die? They don't understand. Jesus holds the keys to life and death. He is the resurrection and the life. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I know that that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the gospel of the Lord. A wise man wrote these words. The gospel is a history of our God doing all things well not all things easily. Your walk with Jesus can be summarized the same way. To walk with him, to walk with Jesus, is to experiencing him doing all things well, not all things easily. We call God our Father. We are deeply loved by him. But that doesn't mean life is free of sickness and death and grief. In the same way Jesus delayed the request to go to Jesus for a good purpose, Jesus will let you experience the full force of human frailty and the brokenness of this fallen world. But why? Why? So that you will learn to trust In Jesus, so that you will learn that 
that Jesus is your rock, that you will learn that his grace is sufficient for you regardless of the circumstances. God does all things well, not all things easily. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he wrote, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, he says, A thorn was given me in the flesh. How many of you have had that experience in your life? A thorn in the flesh, and I'm not talking about your spouse. A thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. So Paul experienced some type of difficulty in his life, some sort of a thorn in the flesh. It may have been an illness or a a physical disability. We don't know what it was. Then he says in verse 8 that he prayed. He prayed that God would take it away. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it, would leave, that it should leave me. But he said to me, that is, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. That's what it means to be on the rock in disappointment. My grace is sufficient for you. He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, if you never experience a hardship, a disappointment, a difficulty in life, you will never come to learn that that God's power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. He boasts in his weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. He's content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God does all things well, but not easily. Not easily. But know this, God's grace is your strength. God's grace is your rock. Jesus, your rock in disappointment. When it seems as if Jesus doesn't answer prayer, ask him, Lord, Lord, what are you up to? What are you up to? Are you teaching me something? Do you want me to know that your grace is sufficient, that your power is made perfect in weakness? Say, Lord, I remember Lazarus who was raised from the dead. So, Lord, in the middle of this problem that won't go away, I believe that you're doing something. God, I believe that you're up to something. And ultimately, Lord, I pray that you will be glorified in my life through this difficulty. If you want to do a miracle, Lord, I welcome it. But, Lord, if if you would want to be glorified in my life in a different way, so be it. May I trust and believe, and may you be glorified in it. 
And Lord, if you can raise the dead, then your grace is sufficient for me. Your grace is more than sufficient for me in my disappointment. And do you believe that Jesus has authority to raise the dead? More importantly, do you believe that Jesus has raised you from the dead? Do you believe that you are his resurrection child? You are raised with Christ. And you are seated with Christ today in heavenly places. You see, Jesus has spoken life into you. In the same way that that Jesus spoke into the tomb of Lazarus and Lazarus came out, Jesus has spoken into your life. And he has caused you to be made alive again. Paul in Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were dead in our trespasses, Jesus made us alive, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You were dead in trespasses. Christ spoke the gospel into your life. He made you alive. You're a resurrection believer. Today you might be disappointed. But believe that you are on the rock. On Jesus you stand. And I need to remind myself of this reality regularly. Lord, why are we in this situation? What are you doing? What's your plan in all of this? Well, I know a couple of things. Jesus wants people to come to believe in him. And God desires that Christ be glorified in our midst. So if we know nothing else about this pandemic, we can know that regardless of the circumstance, These are plans that God has for us in this time. And I so look forward to that day. I had a dream the other night that I came into Maple Park Church and the place was packed. And the first thing I thought was, oh no, nobody's social distancing. (laughs) Nobody's wearing a mask. But I saw your faces. I heard your laughter. And it was a time of joy. So one day when the physical danger of this pandemic passes, we will gather in the sanctuary. We'll sit close to one another. We will smile. We will laugh. We will hear the word of God preached. We will say amen. We will sing his praises. We will glorify the name of the Lord with thanksgiving in our hearts. But today, we worship in separate homes disappointed by the circumstances, but standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. Standing on the rock. You are raised with Christ. You are seated with him. Don't let the circumstances of life get you down, even in the midst of pain and sickness and death. 
Know that Jesus is your rock. He is your resurrection. He is your life. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the account of this family in Bethany. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you did there. And thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing today in our lives. So, Lord, we simply lay our lives before you. We say, Lord, we believe, we trust. May we know that your grace is sufficient, that your power is made perfect in our weakness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand as we sing together. Mm -hmm. 